0: made me kind of think like out loud, you know, like, why should I do it? I mean, why should we share Jesus at all? You know, like, what are we trying to accomplish? And then I started thinking like, what's at stake if we don't share Jesus? I just started going the other way. What's at stake if we don't share Jesus? Um, actually, I, can you guys just turn to someone next to you and 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 just Kind of, what's at stake if Christians never share about Jesus, don't show other people what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus? What's at stake? Can you turn to someone next to you and just share? Eric, you can text someone if you want. Yeah. <laughs> we already have a conversation. Uh, why don't you have the next person share? Well, what I wanted to do right at the very start of the message uh, this morning is actually let's talk about what's at stake. Let's talk about why should we even share in the first place. Do you guys agree that there are certain things that you can do in this life that you can't do in the next life? You guys agree? There are certain things that you can do in this life, you can't do them in the next. Now, I'm not going to name the list of all the things. One, one of the things is get married, you know. But right at the very top of the list, it's share your faith in Jesus with another person. You can only do that in this life. It is a unique opportunity. Now, let's say you share Jesus with another person and that person says, yes, I believe I want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Have you ever stopped and thought, what does that mean? What just happened? What's the significance of that? Well, one of the things that that means that person is going to be in the family of God forever. Now, forever, last time I thought about forever, is a really long time. (laughs) It's a really, really long time. Now, let's say that person goes on and shares Jesus with other people, and they believe, and they share Jesus with other people, and they believe. This is the one investment you can make that has a multiplicative effect yes multiplicative is a word it has a multiplicative effect and an eternal investment you get to be a part of someone else's story now i don't know what we do exactly from 24-7 but this kind of sounds like one of those things that's really worth doing right 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 (laughs) you guys are supposed to nod your head vigorously Yes, amen, preach it, Pastor Andrew. Okay, Debbie, can you give me a preach it, Pastor Andrew? She said it, okay. But can we be honest for a second? Can we be honest for a second? When it comes to um, sharing Jesus and evangelism, my feeling is that a lot of us, including myself, we don't really want to do it. It's not really fun. It's not something we look forward to. Actually, it—I don't know. Like I, I've been in church for a long time, and sometimes, most of the times, it feels like evangelism feels like scary obligation. You know, it's—I uh, know Jesus wants me to, but I don't really want to do it, and and it's so not PC to do it, and people label me, and so I'd rather be quiet about my faith in Jesus, right? It feels like scary obligation. Now, when I read the book of Acts, I want you to imagine Jesus coming up to us and saying, right, I understand that it feels like scary obligation, but it's scary obligation because you're missing something. You're missing something. And if you have this thing that you're missing, it's going to change. It's not going to feel like scary obligation anymore. If you receive... This we'll call it thing that Jesus wants to give us, it's a game changer. It'll change evangelism from scary obligation to something exciting, something adventurous. Yeah, something scary, but it's it's gonna be fun. Now, I don't want anyone this morning leaving church and going, okay, Pastor Andrew is giving us one more thing to do. No, this is actually something you get to do. This is something that's going to be really, really fun. But you need this one thing desperately. Do you guys know what that one thing is? It's that one thing that's in the first 11 verses of Acts. And it's that one thing that is u- utilized over and over again. It's not even a thing, okay? But no, so let's talk about Acts. Because Jesus is introducing this thing that we desperately need. That's going to be a game changer for the mission. It's going to be a game changer. Let me hear you guys say game changer. Uh, let's walk through the first 11 verses. And I think it's going to be even more clear what that thing we desperately need is, okay? So Luke writes this book, and he addresses it to a mysterious man named Theophilus. Now, it's funny, because if you read the beginning of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, he addresses that book to the very same man. That is probably his sponsor. It's probably a rich person saying, I commission you with this money to go and work on this project, and the second project is the book of Acts. And so what uh, Luke does in the very beginning of Acts is he gives like a little review. Do you guys ever watch TV shows where they go previously on the, you know, on whatever the show is, right? And then they show like highlights of what happened in the last show. Luke does the same thing. And he basically goes, previously in my former book, this is what I was talking about. The life of Jesus, what he said and what he did. And here's where that book ended. And now this is where this book begins, okay? And one of the things that he's saying contextually is that before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave us a command, which makes you want to think, what is that command? He gave the disciples a command. What is the command? Verse 4, Jesus says to his disciples, do not depart. Don't depart, but wait for the, what's the word? Wait for the promise. Wait for the promise of the Father, okay? And that makes you go and kind of go, what's the promise of the Father? And then he clarifies. John baptized you with water, but not too many days from now, you will be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8, Luke, well, actually Jesus, Jesus gives us the very heart of the book of Acts. This is the roadmap for the rest of the book. And on did an okay job in memorizing it. Can you guys actually uh, 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 read it with me together? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, um, this is a fair summary of the first 11 verses of Acts There are two things that rise up. There are two things that emerge in the careful reading of this passage. The first thing is the promise. Let me hear you guys say promise. Okay, this promise is worth waiting for. This promise is going to be a game changer. This promise is something the disciples desperately need. Now, you think about all the things that the disciples have, and Jesus is like, ah, but you're missing this one thing. You desperately need the promise of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. And there is going to be power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So that is the promise. The second thing that emerges from this text is mission. Let me hear you guys say mission. Now, let me clarify what mission means. Mission means to witness about Jesus. Now, what that means is to share the story of what God did in giving up his son, Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross to rescue us and to pay for the penalty of our sins. What Jesus did on the cross is a game changer for all the people who believe in him. And it means an eternity of joy and meaning and life. That's what Jesus came to give us. It's a game changer. That's the good news. So the mission is you take that news and you start in Jerusalem. Now, what does Jerusalem stand for? Jerusalem stands for home, family, loved ones, kids, parents. You start in Jerusalem and then you go to Judea, which is more regional. Regional would be like school or work or at the gym, right? And then you go to Samaria, which stands for the place that no good Jew wants to go. It's talking to the person with really bad hygiene, okay? How do you like that for application? No one wants to talk to that person with bad hygiene. You go, right? And then lastly, to the end of the earth, where no one has gone before. Now, it's kind of like if we don't go, then we're going to support someone else who's going. But we're all part of the mission. We're all part of the mission. I was, I was talking to someone on the, well, texting uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago, and she was telling me, you know, when I hear this message about the mission, for the longest time, I've never thought included me. I always thought it was like pastors and missionaries. This is for everyone. Our calling, it, this is for the entire church. Everyone plays, everyone is involved. Let me hear you guys say our mission. Our mission. This is our shared mission. Now, listen, you guys, The main idea of the message this morning is this. It's actually quite simple. If you receive and try to do the mission without the promise, it's going to be a real drag. (laughs) That is the main idea of the message. You try to do the mission without the promise, it is going to be a real drag. Jesus did not mean for us to do the mission without the promise. It is going to be an exercise in futility. It's going to be a scary obligation. But let's put it the other way around. Let's put it positively. If you do the mission, which is to share Jesus, but you do it waiting upon the Holy Spirit, you're going to have power. You're going to have joy. There's going to be unexpected surprises. It's going to be actually fun, if you can believe that. Now, I want you to imagine Jesus giving this word to the disciples. Now, I want you to think about this. The disciples had three years of, you know, um, on-the-job training with Jesus. Three years being trained 24-7. They went on mission trips. They had uh, places where they could do public speaking. They they were trained, right? And then they saw with their own eyes Jesus die and Jesus raise again. They got a compelling story. Oh my gosh, they have so much going for them, right? And here is Jesus saying, yeah, you got all that. But you need this one thing. You got to wait for this one thing. And without this one thing, you're not going to do much. Now, here's the point. If the disciples who had all that needed desperately the Holy Spirit, how much more do you? How much more do we in the Bay Area? You guys, uh, this happened uh, several months ago. I was at Pete's Coffee, and I was reading a book by Tim Keller preparing a message. It was called Generous Justice. Sitting there, sipping my coffee, reading this book, there was an older lady that came and sat next to me in a table next to me. She was sipping her coffee and she's looking around and she's smiling and I'm innocently reading my book like that. And then she says to me, young man, I would very much like to know what you're reading. Like that, she said that to me, right? Now, my response is like, you know, like, is this really happening to me right now? I've been waiting all my life, actually, for this moment right here. Like, really? You asking me? And so I'm like, Cal- calm down, calm down, try, try to say something that makes sense. You know, I'm saying, well, it's, it's a book written by uh, Tim Keller. And it's about God's amazing grace and how that compels us to love the poor. I don't know if I said as well as that, but something like that came out, right? And I'm like, this is great. You know, she's asking me, right? And I feel like she's going to ask a question. We're going to have this great conversation. And then she turns to me and she goes... Thank you very much for sharing. And then she turned away. This happened. This really happened. I'm like, no, you're teasing me. No, come back. Come back. Bring your coffee over. Let's talk. She didn't want to talk to me. She was done. I was like, how are you done? I just threw up the bait. Come on. You guys, it's so hard to share faith in the Bay Area. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's so hard because people have access to the gospel, but they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. Now, listen, listen. (laughs) Do we need power today? Do we need power today? Let me ask you that. Do we need power today? Now, I, I know what we face at work and at school. It's not acceptable To share Jesus. It's not PC. And if you share Jesus, they'll label you. And so we are so scared to offend someone. And so we take the most important thing in our lives and we don't reveal it. We hide away, you know? Now, let me ask you, do we need power to be courageous? Oh, yes, we do. I think the appropriate response is, heck, yeah, we do. Maybe we can do that as liturgical response, you know? You know, we needeth the Holy Spirit. And you guys go, heck yeah, we do indeed. Or something like that. Now, now, think about it. A lot of you guys are very articulate. A lot of you guys are very articulate. Do you really think that you can sell Jesus because you're so eloquent and articulate? I mean, you could have the most eloquent words, but if they're thrown at a heart that's hard and unrepentant, it's not going to go anywhere. So, <laughs> so we need power from the Holy Spirit to be courageous. We need his gifts to articulate something that actually is clear. And then we also need his power on the other end so that people can receive it with open hearts. Oh my goodness, we need, Je- we need Jesus and his Holy Spirit everywhere through this whole endeavor. Working in them, working in us, working through us everywhere. We need the Holy Spirit Heck yeah, indeed. All right? So, let's say we're all in agreement. Okay, yes, Pastor Andrew, the first 11 verses. What are you calling us to do? What are you calling us to do? Actually, I've tried to make it real easy for us. It's really just four words. And they come straight from the scripture. What are we all called to do? We desperately need something. Actually, we desperately need someone. Here's the word of God for all of us here. Wait on the Spirit. I mean, if you take nothing else from from this message and what we're called to do, wait on the Spirit. Actually, why don't you say that with me? It's, It's really fun to say. Wait on the Spirit. Now, what does wait on the Spirit mean? Well, I think it means something different for the disciples than it does for us, at least initially. Okay, but it's the same word. Wait on the spirit means I am going to be a great observer to see where the Holy Spirit is working. And then I'm going to join him. Let me say that again. I'm going to be a great observer in seeing where the Holy Spirit is working. And then I am going to join him. I'm not going to do any more than he calls me to do. And I'm not going to do any less than he calls me to do. Let me hear you guys say no more. Let me hear you guys say no less. So I'm talking to my son, and he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want us to share grace. But I say, let's wait upon God and see what he says. That night, I have home group. Can I just have my home group leader stand up real quick and just wave people? Okay. That's Will right there. So I'm at home group. Um... I'm, you know, we had a great time. I'm, I'm headed out the door. You know, my, 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 my kid is with me. I'm heading out the door. And then Will's on my left side and Chi is actually on my right side. And we're heading out the door. And I suddenly this thought occurs to me because I'm waiting upon the Holy Spirit. Right. And I'm actually wondering, I wonder how the Holy Spirit is going to speak. He's going to say yes and just, you know there's different ways that he could say yes i 'm wondering how he 's going to say yes or no, or how he 's going to reveal it so anyway i 'm walking back and suddenly a thought occurs to me: one of the ways that God reveals his will is through people. you know I actually think that that thought was inspired by the Holy Spirit because i 'm waiting on him anyway, so i 'm walking out the door, and will's right there, I say, "Hey, will, let me pick your brain on something." Uh, Ryan has his birthday party. Uh, pretty much all his friends are not Christians. There's going to be pizza. Should I pray? Will, in great clarity of thought, says, yeah, I think you should. It was something just as simple as that. Okay? Now, at that moment, I thought, you know, I don't know what he's thought of the complexities. Like, there's non-Christians there, and I'm a little bit nervous. I'm going to get a second opinion. So I turn to Chi, who's on my right side. I say, Chi, Ryan has his party. Most of them are not Christians. There's pizza. Do you think I should pray? Chi says, I think you should do it too but he added something because he wanted to add value to the conversation he said but keep it short and sweet don't give them a message don't give them a sermon i'm like all right keep it short and sweet so i leave and i actually am feeling like wow there's there's confirmation in both of my home group leaders i'm talking to ryan i'm saying ryan remember when we asked god should we share should we not share well i asked my home group leaders and they both said yes I think that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us, saying yes. So what do you think? Should we do it? And Ryan says to me, well, yeah, then I think we should do it. And he go, do you want to do it? He says, no, Dad, you do it. <laughs> I said, but God calls us to be courageous. He says, I'll do it in two years. I, okay, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking two years. Come back to you on that one. Okay, now this is, this is again where I'm just being uh, real. I just want to be real with you guys, you guys. I was, I was, actually, I was actually nervous. No, I like to think that I'm a bold pastor, but let me tell you the reason why I was nervous before you guys like looked down on me, okay? You can look down on me anyways after I explain it to you. I was nervous because I was afraid I was going to alienate his friends. If I alienate his friends and my son is embarrassed for being a Christian, then what faith he has is now taken away. That's why I was embarrassed. Okay, I don't know if that justifies it, but honestly, I was kind of scared. And now, I think God has made it clear that he wants us to do this. So in the morning, I wake up, and I have this relationship with God where I'm just being honest. I'm like, God, I'm kind of nervous. At that moment, there's a thought that goes through my mind, and it's so counter to how I was thinking. I knew immediately it was the Holy Spirit. But in my mind, it was this thought like, you're not embarrassing your son. You're going to glorify me in front of these kids who don't know me. And suddenly, I started to get excited. You know, this whole idea was kind of a scary obligation, but suddenly I'm like, hey, I get to glorify God in front of a bunch of kids. This is great. They don't even know Jesus. Okay. Long story short, I did it. I did it. I didn't preach a message. But I did take an offering after pizza and stuff. I did, because because I could. I have that authority. I can. No, I didn't preach a message, but I I gave it short and sweet. I, you know, I, I thank God for the food. No one converted over pizza, all right? But let me tell you what happened. I was in shooting up other kids with the whole QSR experience. And so during the meal, they were loving me. You know, we were like giving each other high fives and talking about strategy and how he was so cool and blah, 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 right? And I was cool dad. For 30 minutes, I was cool dad. Let me hear you guys say cool dad. No, yeah, I was cool dad. You know, they were loving me, right? And cool dad, for like one minute, got up and said, I recognize God who gives us all good things. Now, I'm telling you, I don't know if I would be able to share the story if it weren't for the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Just the Holy Spirit saying, you can do this. You want to do this for the Holy Spirit revealing His will for my home group leaders. This actually, I look back and it was fun. Sharing Jesus was an adventure. It wasn't like scary obligation, but there's one difference maker, one thing that made the difference, which is the partnership of the Holy Spirit. God hasn't left you to do. Th- go, go see what you can do. You're on your own. No, God has given us the senior partnership of the Holy Spirit, and our calling is to wait on Him, to be observant for how He's moving, and to do no more and no less than what He's called us to do. And when we do that, sharing Jesus is actually pretty fun. It's unexpected. Now, look, no one we didn't close the deal of conversion over pizza. It was just a step. The Holy Spirit wasn't asking me to do more than that. But he also wasn't asking me to do less. And our first priority is just to be observing what he's doing, joining what he's doing, and doing no more and no less than what he's called us to do. This is where I invite Eric up forward. Eric, this is a little bit of a counterintuitive conversation because I have the feeling that when we talk about evangelism, for most of us, it's scary obligation, you know? It's like, I gotta do this thing, I guess Jesus wants me to do this thing, okay, I'll do it. But it's not like fun, oh, I had the best time sharing about Jesus. It's not like joyful, it's not like, I mean, fun and evangelism, those are two words that don't really go hand in hand, right?
1: Yeah, and and I think, uh, just real quick, I love the point you're making. There's something about uh, how when God is working, a big picture of Acts, as we're talking about it, you know, Acts 1-8 is the outline of Acts, Jerusalem, Judea. Uh, The strongest church was the church in Jerusalem. But in Acts, we mainly hear about all these little outposts. And they're really small churches. I mean, really tiny. Uh, But this is what God is excited about. So God is always excited. His energy, the Holy Spirit is always working so uh, where when we're when we are going out into areas, people uh, that don't know him uh, that have been beat up by life, they we and all of us actually have, and even more so without 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 uh, you know uh, the love of God. So sir, yeah, sir, so I, he's can always, can yeah, he's always yeah he's always um, doing it. So that.
0: this is just a thought. It's, it's not on my notes, but I, I just wanted to say, and I'm not really endorsing the movie. But have you guys ever seen Pulp Fiction? Right, it's not the most wholesome movie. I'm not You're endorsing bringing up it.
1: Pulp Fiction. I, I am,
0: but okay. there's a reason why because it was a unique movie in that at first the main character was uh, John Travolta, remember? And then in the middle of the movie it switches to um, Bruce Willis, right? And that's why one of the, that movie was really unique. Axe does the same thing. Yeah. Right? At first it's with the 12 because that's where sharing Jesus is happening. And then it switches, and it goes to Philip, yeah. who takes it to Samaria. And then it switches from, what, 13 all the way to 28 yeah. with Paul. you know why? Because the Holy Spirit is where people are sharing Jesus. It just left the 12 behind, and it just went in front of the action. And that was the storyline. Not with the people, yeah. but with the person, the main character of the Holy Spirit. And so it's the same thing for us. The Holy Spirit... Is really moving, and we got a really cool storyline when we're making his mission yeah. our mission. But hold it, hold it. We yeah. got to get back to the text, okay? Yeah. So, can you uh, clarify what it means to you to wait upon the Spirit? Remember, in, 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 um, in verse 4, those were the words of Jesus to the disciples, those were the words of Jesus to us. Wait. On the spirit, what does that mean to you, Garrick?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I would sum it up that I'm always listening. I always am trying to listen to God. Uh, when when Paul later on in Acts, uh, when Paul goes into Philippi, Philippi is a uh, Roman colony, so there's no place for them to go and make any sort of relational connection, connection, uh, because there's not even I think what is it six Jewish men in the town. Right? So they go down by the river, and down by the river, they're praying, and it says, it doesn't go into detail, they said they meet a God-fearing woman named Lydia. And Lydia opens up the whole town to them. Well, this is what it is. It's like, we're always praying. So uh, I have my agenda set for today, but then what God will do as I kind of walk around, you're praying, saying, God, is." I'll get into a conversation, and all of a sudden I'll say, God, do you have something more here? Right? Are you working here? Mm. So instead of saying, "I've got to convince this person," Jesus never sells himself. <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, other people sell him, right? The woman at the well runs into town. You got to meet this man, right? The man born blind in John nine, but Jesus never does. He doesn't call us to either. He never tries to prove himself. He's not a brand. In fact, he resists it, right? He, he resists that that kind of thinking. He, you know, he never he goes, "Oh no," he, I, he heals somebody. He goes, "Don't tell anybody." Because he's not looking for that kind of press. Therefore, when we try that, it never works. It's always, you know, it's always a terrible ploy. So I'm always walking around. You know, I always have the most fun is when you're walking around, anytime you're in a conversation, you're just kind of, uh, my friend says it this way. You're always throwing bait. Like somebody says something, you go, well, talk more about that. Right? I had a neighbor pull up to me one time, and he starts telling me, I say, you want something to drink? And he, he goes, oh, uh, no, I don't want anything to drink. You know, his idea of a drink was, uh, you, know, was you know, having a beer or wine. He goes, my problem is, is I want a lot of things to drink. Hmm. I go, really? I go, tell me about that. He doesn't know I run a recovery center, by the way. Hmm. Uh, he, so, so he goes, well, I don't have one drink. I have a ton of drinks. And I'm like, really? Talk about that. He goes, I don't know. My wife, so I don't drink at all. I'm like, smart decision. So then he starts talking. He goes, yeah. He goes, he goes uh, I go, well, uh, I said, why do you think that is? So instead of telling him, I go, why do you think you want to drink? He goes, well, and he kind of hymns and haws and he goes, literally says, it's probably because my dad uh, never really has ever told me he loves me. I'm like, whoa, that whoa. went right. That, you went right to it. Yeah, I right. go, you know, so then I said, you know, there's a heavenly father that could love wow. you. No, 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 wow. I didn't say that. I said, I said, yeah. wow, that is amazing. Talk about that. We starts talking about it, so, and, so, and all yeah. of a sudden, we're in a completely different conversation. So
0: some of, the, yeah. some of the things that you've said, I just want to kind of highlight it. You, you've said a lot of us might think like evangelism is selling Jesus yeah. and like closing the deal. Yeah. But it, it seems like what the paradigm that you're bringing is, like, no, evangelism is being observant of how the Spirit is working, yeah. asking good questions and and having a conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And this is where it's fun because you're kind of waiting, "Holy Spirit, are you working here?" Yeah, yeah. And you never know at what place. And I think I told you that one story where I was test driving a car and the guy I'm test driving the car with, uh he doesn't seem like a car salesman, right? He's a young guy, he's, you know, uh smart and uh and I'm like, "What are you doing at this dealership?" right? I said, so uh, how long have you done this? He goes, oh, just for a little while. And I go... No, not that you, smart
0: people cannot no, build cars, right? No, not that yeah, they just can't. just that in there.
1: Right, yeah. But usually you don't, you know, usually in the Silicon Valley, we don't have a lot of 25-year-olds like going, well, I went to college. But he found out he was, a, he was an architect. Uh, his architecture firm had closed down, and he didn't have anything, so we got a job doing this, right? But then, I said, wow, that sounds like you're in a hard space. Then it gets worse. He starts talking to me. He goes, well... About a year ago, I got married. And he goes, I, I got married, and uh, the, the gal I got married to was actually from Sweden. And, uh, and we said, wow, that's fantastic. You married a Swedish girl? And, and I don't know it was Ikea or what the connection there was, but she he married. He said, uh, he said uh, so, uh, he says, but then after our honeymoon, she went back to Sweden, had a student visa, came back, applied for the wrong visa, got basically sent to the penalty box, and it's been a year. And she has not, we've been separated. I don't have any money. So about every, right now, every four to six months, I travel back to see her. So you just get this idea that this guy's life is in a bad place. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I throw the question out. I said, so let me ask you a question. Yeah, I go, have you ever prayed about anything like this? Because mm-hmm. I felt like God he just was just opening up to me. And he just, like, shut it down. Like, Meh. <laughs> And I was like, well. I, but it was one of those deals where you're like, I don't need to convince him. I just wanted to, I just went, okay. I asked the question. He goes, no. And I just said, look, this is what I've seen. I go, I've seen people in circumstances like you that have prayed and everything dissipates. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. And that was it. That's all I said. Then we went back to talking about the car, went back to it. But I felt like God was opening up a door, right? You do it. What I don't know is maybe that was just the thing that he needed to hear, mm-hmm. right? He was going to be that second son that said, no, I'm not going to go in the field. But later on, he's like, maybe I need to pray about this, right? So maybe that was that. All I need to do is God open the door. I said, I'm just going to throw that out there, and uh, I don't know what's happened to him. That's actually so, not my so responsibility. If, if you
0: take these two stories and you're yeah. looking for the principle of what it means to wait on the Holy Spirit, yeah. what are you what are you teaching us to do?
1: Yeah, um, I think God is alive and active all over the place, and for us, the Holy Spirit, just like uh, just like in the Book of Acts, um, it's we are. Uh, we're walking around just waiting to see where he's working, right? No, we're not looking to sell something. We're just waiting. We're always looking to see. And when you walk around, and, and prayer is important. It doesn't have to be long prayers. Just, God, are you working here? Mm-hmm. Because somehow something gets um, un, kind of unhooked, if you will, when um, when you pray. Because then God goes, great, now I can go forward mm-hmm. and really do some do some kind of even supernatural things because you've given it to me. If not, you'll pat yourself on the back and go, I'm pretty good, right? I had this great conversation, and I did this. Right. But when you, give it to, when you give it to him, when you're right. prayerful right. about right. it right. in the smallest ways, then God works because he knows that you'll go, that wasn't me. Yeah. This was God working. And he always has to get 100% of the credit. We can't ever step in front
0: of him, mm-hmm.
1: right? We, we can never do that.
0: Can you, can you share the this, this story of uh, oh, yeah. God waking you up at 3 a.m.? Yeah.
1: So once in a while, um, God will get me up early in the morning. And um, about a month ago, Saturday morning, he gets me up really early. I'm like, boom. I, and I can tell. I wake up. I'm like wide awake. Hello. And I can just sense that God goes, I want to tell you something. And, uh, and, I, and I've had that experience. And uh, God, God woke me up. So I sat down. Uh, I first get my coffee. And uh, I sit down. And I said, okay, God, what do you want to tell me? And it's the heaviest message I've ever had, and it's this message saying, you're, "I'm literally you're overwhelming the Holy Spirit. You're about to have a huge loss," and uh, and it, it scared me. To it, it scared me. It scared me for a week, and uh, and I'm just like, "No, no, 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 no!" I'm like, "What is it, God? Tell me." And it feels like like I'm going to lose one of my children. I mean, it's this heavy, and um, and so. Um, I, I, so I go into my n- normal uh, mode where I, t- I take it and I write everything down. And it's a really short message. You're about to receive – there's a, there's a huge loss coming, but I'm in this. So I go, okay. Well, uh, I, I go – I start reading scripture, and I can't concentrate on anything. I'm reading – uh, right now I'm in Romans. I'm reading in Romans. I can't. And it's just, just, it's just words. So I go, okay, God, I, I can't. I, none of this is happening. So let me pray. So I start praying over my family. So I pray for my mom, my brother. I go through kind of my normal routine. I get to my father. Now, my father is not a a believer. And uh, a really hard life when he was young. I'd really admired a lot of things that have happened in in his life. And so uh, in a little backdrop, for the last eight years, he's had a heart problem. His lower artery uh, has been blocked, and he's managed it with medication. And truthfully, he moved from way up by Shasta down to Arizona about a year and a half ago because he said, I don't trust the doctors there. And every doctor said, we got to open you up. And my dad, it just scared him to death. Well, that's a little bit of history. So I'm praying, and as I'm praying for my father, the phone you know, the phone actually starts ringing, and it's my dad. And I'm like, okay, this is a weird morning. Why, why not? Right? So I... But as I'm answering the phone, I go, it's not my dad. I know it's not him on the phone. And sure enough, I answer it. I just have that sense, and it's his wife. And she says, your dad's in the hospital. He's doing okay, but there's some things going on. Well, normally, I think I would have been like, okay, uh, yep, finally, he's going to deal with his heart issue because he's been afraid of it. Um and so, uh, so we talk, and, and then I tell her. So I start connecting the dots. Now, I became a Christian when I was 16, and for 30, the last 30-some years, um, I've been just witnessing to my dad the wrong way every way I could, right? I've given him the guilt thing. I've given him the God will make, take care of your life. You know, he knows the Romans road. Now, the great thing is my dad's been very proud that I've gone into ministry. I really appreciate it. But there's been no movement, right? He's got uh, his, his mom abandoned him when he was three. He was kind of raised himself. And so that being able to trust a father is just has been very, very difficult. So sure enough, I call my brother up. My brother's a really, really neat Christian guy really sensitive to the holy spirit and i go i just got this call and this is what was happening he goes yeah he goes i've been calling dad every day for the last week i've since got something's going on and uh so they had to run more tests they run more tests they think hey they're going to do this heart procedure they don't know what's going to happen so we're going go no go do we get we need to get in a plane and go down to arizona so finally a couple days later on tuesday i'm in my office in the city and I'm like, should we go? And my brother goes, I think we should, but I gotta be back by Friday. I gotta be back at this time. Um, I'm online, my brother goes, It's about two, three hundred dollars for a flight. And I'm online looking and I'm like, I got a fifty-eight dollar round trip. And he goes, Nah, that's wrong. I'm like, No, no, I'm looking at it. Fifty-eight dollar round trip. He goes, Book it and see if it'll work. I go, Yeah, here's the problem. We got like three hours to make this flight. And he's all the way down in like South San Jose. And uh, so I book it. I'm like, get on your horse, man. We got to get to you, got to get to the city. Uh, And uh, so we get the flight. We show up. We surprise my dad. We get in. And God had been doing all of these things. I mean, just all these things. And so, as a son, explaining these, okay, my brother's great. We're like, okay, here's the connection you've got one of the top heart surgeons in the country. And how he got the, the, this guy was amazing. I mean, even they go, it's kind of weird how we got to them. I'm like, so we're just, we're in full witness mode because God is connecting all the dots. Right before my dad goes into uh, surgery, he has it on that Wednesday. um, My brother and I, we go, look, dad, we're going to pray for you, whether you like it or not. And uh, his wife looks and says, I've never seen him this scared. Hmm. He thinks he's going to die. And we go, yeah, we know. He's been dreading this for 10 years this, this, this procedure. And, um, and when he did that, I realized that the fear that I felt in the loss, Mm -hmm. that was the exact emotion Mm -hmm. that my dad was feeling. Mm -hmm. That usually when God gives you this heavy message, and this is what is biblical, it's intercede. I want to give you this emotion so that you will pray in this way. So it's praying for my dad and doing this. And sure enough, he goes in surgery, we get a message, we get a message really quick. Mm-hmm. The nurse comes out within an hour, like the surgery's going great. She sent me out to tell you, I'm like, really? The surgeon comes out and here's the, here's this guy. He's got over, I think like 12 patents. And he sits down with my brother and I for like, for like 10, 15, like 15 minutes, just going through the procedure. Like, oh, yeah. he goes, well, I was using this, and I was using this wire. He goes, but I was using this Japanese wire. Like, oh, no. He goes, I got three patents in these wires, you know, to do the, you know, to do the stents. And he goes, and he goes, not all wires are wires. And he's going through it all. And I'm looking at my brother going, this guy does, like, 20 of these a day. Why is he taking this much time? And uh, later on, I go, because he didn't think he could do it. And finally, we were talking to one of the attendings, same thing. He goes, the attending goes, I go, everybody else wanted to open them up. And the attending physician goes, yeah, everybody else would have to because you just can't get to that lower artery uh, on the heart. So this is our message. So we communicate all of this back to my dad. We're like, Dad, connection, 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 connection. God is in this, right? So he's recovered. He still has some issues. He's recovering. God is keeping him in this place of need. But a week and a half later, we keep calling and checking in. Uh, He lived up in Shasta, so he has another house up there that he had been renting out. The renters moved out. He goes, we're going to sell it. So he's had it on the market, he gets an offer, he's excited, but the offer is way low. It's like 15, 20% under asking, right? So he's recovering and uh, the person keeps coming back and they're just for two weeks, they've just all through this process, they're just grinding him down, right? And he's just really upset about it. And so in that process, I call him up and I say, so dad, how how you doing? He goes, well, this has happened and this has happened. I still have the dizziness, we're changing the medication. Right? So God is still working. You know, this is, again, this is only two, three weeks old. And I tell Andrew, so he he says to me, hey, son, I finally took your advice. You go, Whoa. He goes, um He goes, with this house, he goes, I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I just said, God, you take it. I can't do it. I go, really? I go, oh, wow. He goes, yeah. He goes, so then he goes, so yesterday after I did that, he goes, uh, the, uh, my agent called me back and he said, Um, he said, uh, you know, he thought, well, I finally have the counter proposal, you know, down from like 330, 330,000 down to about 300,000, uh, which where they originally started. And he said, uh, he said, no, he said, the agent called me back and said, look, I, he goes, did they accept the offer? And he said, no, he goes, I rescinded the offer because, you know, last night you got a full price offer, cash, and they want to close within 10 days. And so I went, so you prayed about that? Debt? You know, I just made the connection. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I and mean, that's like, yeah. Right. So this has happened like, I think just two weeks ago, he we closed on, on Tuesday within 10 days. And it was one of those things that I had tried early in my life to convince my father. And now God is doing all the convincing through circumstances. Just, I mean, the Holy Spirit is just, boom just lining things up mm-hmm. to a place where you can't, all, all, but all I'm do, all you're doing there is you're translating. To the place where you feel like God is comfortable, right? God's working and you're saying, so this happened, this happened, and you prayed and that happened, yeah. You know what, Dad? Anything you pray about, I think God will show you that he really cares about mm-hmm. you. That's mm-hmm. why my brother and I, that's why we tell you. And with my dad, I always say, Dad, you know, I'm, we're all God all the time, right? Yeah. You know that. Yeah. But yeah. God, he really cares about you.
0: So, so Eric, Eric um, I, I'm going to have to... Close, close this part kind of shut you down a little bit oh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're free to come uh, for lunch and I'm sure you'll be able to mix and kind of tell us more stories, okay. stories. Uh, but I just wanted to ask you guys a question as you guys were listening Eric share was there anything about that that came off as scary obligation was there any part where there wasn't joy just like a duty something I have to do I I think that was the biggest point. I'm like, Eric, you got to come here and share. Because as you wait on the Holy Spirit, it's exciting. I mean, sharing Jesus is actually fun. I mean, he looked like he was having fun doing it, right? And and I want to say, I really believe, and I really believe this. I know you're shutting me down.
1: (laughs) I really believe this. I believe as our culture is shifting, that the Holy Spirit is now playing, like, uh, I think the role is different. Um, I think that in, in like, oh, Christians, Muslims, we're all the same, coexist, all that stuff. The Holy Spirit goes, yes, we have a God that's alive and active. And I think he's going to be doing things that are much more a- along these lines. So that's why I think right now it's more fun than it's ever been Yeah. Uh, uh, in, in any time. Amen.
0: Amen. Here, You can give me the mic, actually. I'm just going to take that away from <laughs> you. No. Know, yeah, with the... thank you, Um, In closing, we can have the worship team come forward. Um, You guys have a mission, but without the promise, it's no fun. With the promise of the Holy Spirit, and by you waiting on the Spirit, there is joy, there is power, there is excitement. It's this story of where God showed up, and that's what we're talking about. And you throw on everything that's at stake. Actually, eternity is at stake. I mean, there's nothing greater than that. Um, but he's also given us a provision to make it full of joy, power, uh, and fun. So can you guys stand and I will pray and then we're going to, to have a time of, of continuing to worship the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have called us to things of joy, to things of life, and to this person of power. We need the Holy Spirit. And I ask that you would teach every person in this room. You would show them how to wait. And I pray that we would enter into this mission with gladness. Because it's exciting. And I pray that we also would have stories to tell for your glory. Amen. Why
1: watch not you, you all please have a seat. And we'll be continuing.